as one body in unity with one another to lift each other up. I don't know. Does someone need healing today? Does somebody need a, 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 um, encouragement, their faith to be healed or, or, or their, their mind to be healed or to be encouraged by the body? I wonder if we could just all start off in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have met us here today, God, that we can gather in one body, Lord Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. God, that we can come to you with all of our trial, troubles. We can come to you with our trials. We can come to you, Lord Jesus, and you would lift us up this evening, God, that you, Lord Jesus, God, would be the author and the finisher of our faith, God, that you, Lord Jesus, would touch our lives today, that you, God, would reach into our hearts today, that you would make us more like you tonight, God, that you would heal us, God, that you would touch our hearts, touch our minds today, oh God, as we enter into this Bible study, God, as we enter into your presence, Lord Jesus, God, let your presence fall in this place tonight. Let your presence saturate this room tonight, God. Let us feel your love this evening, God. Let us feel your presence today, God, that we would leave here knowing that we have got a hold of you, that we have touched your garment today, God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. We worship you, God. We praise your name, oh God. We lift your name up, Lord Jesus. You are worthy to be praised and lifted up, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Christ our Savior, great and glorious. And how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great. for your grace, God, for being so good to us and so thank kind you, to us, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. I know there was a card going around. Uh, Brother Bob had uh, surgery last Friday, and of course, he's, he's doing good and recovering, and it was also his birthday, and so uh, we're going to sign the card. If you have not done so already, maybe after service, I don't know who has it right now. I think it's over here somewhere. Um, but after service, uh, if you could sign that card, and uh, we'll make sure he gets it during his time of recovery. Uh, and God bless you. You, yeah, he's yeah. I, I spoke with him. He's doing he's doing much better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, medication and stuff. Well, God bless you. you. May be seated. Greet one another as we are heading back to our seats. Yes, thank you, Brother Larry. Actually, um, next Tuesday, it was supposed to be tonight at 6 o'clock, but next Tuesday, next Tuesday, September 13th, September 13th, yeah, September 13th, we will have a business meeting right here at 6 o'clock, right before uh, our Bible study, amen, so we are going to announce it one more time on Sunday, 6 o'clock here, September 13th, Tuesday, business meeting, okay? All right. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I am so excited and so nervous today. I don't know. Um, let's pray one more time before we get started. If we can all stand and pray. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity today to be in this place, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your word would be spoken, Lord, that it would be an anointed word of God, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we put everything aside and all of our distractions, Lord, and all of our personal things aside, Lord, and that we focus truly on the word of God, Lord, that you would speak through us, 
through me, Lord, that I would be a vessel used by you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we claim it and call it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, um, you may be seated. We are going to have a lot of scripture today as usual for, for Bible studies. Um, but you may be seated. I'm going to take my candy out of my mouth. It was an exciting day today because my little one went to school for the first day today, a third grader. And, um, and I've been telling Daniel for um, I don't know how many years I said, I can't wait till I'm a housewife. And today was the first day of being a housewife. So that was exciting. I was not home at all, all day. I did a Bible study and then we came to the church and then I did a couple of things. I'm like, wait, I was supposed to be home on my first day as a housewife. But anyways, um, so it, it's been a great day. Um, the, our verse today, we're going to be talking about personal evangelism. And really, what it really means is to be a friend. And we're going to correlate that personal evangelism with friendship. So if we can turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And that is our key text for the night. And it states, But ye shall receive power... After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the outermost parts of the earth. Amen. Key points from this verse is that we receive power. So it's not something that we can do on our own abilities and our own talents, but we receive the power from God to be witnesses. Witnesses has two definitions. A witness is a person who sees an event and is a witness, or a witness is something that's an evidence or a proof of something. So when, we, when God says that we are witnesses unto him, both in Jerusalem and Judea, we are the evidence and proof of the power of God. We receive that power, and we're able to share that power with others. Now, the New Testament believer, which is all of us here today, we must recognize the call for evangelism that comes to every one of us who has a new birth experience. It's the call to evangelism for everybody. We must also recognize that our salvation experience empowers us for evangelism. So there are some people who would say, I'm not an extrovert. Um, my talents and my abilities are something else. Um, I don't feel comfortable with talking to other people, right? Again, again, this is a power given unto us from the Most High. So it is our calling to be an evangelist, to tell others about the goodness of God or the gospel of God. We must recognize our responsibilities as believers to fulfill this call of ministry that God has placed on our lives. All of us should endeavor to prepare for effective personal evangelism, that we might produce much increase for the kingdom of God. So not only are we evangelizing, we're telling others of God, but it has to be effective. And how do we know if our evangelism is effective? I just said it a few seconds ago, but we know it's effective if we are increasing the kingdom of God. If we're not bringing anyone to God, then we're not being too effective in our evangelism. Now we can't, and later on we talk about how it takes time. So it's not like we're going to talk to somebody about God today and tomorrow they're going to be here, right? It's a process that evolves with time. So we have to be patient. But as we grow in Christ, we should see that people are receiving from God through our personal walk. Um, a true, so evangelism is not an option. And we have to start getting that in our head, right? It's not who is an evangelist, who is going to go out there and evangelize, who can tell others. It is all of us. It is all of our responsibility. And the true mission of Jesus Christ is evangelism. In Luke, we're going to turn to a couple of verses. So we're going to go to Luke 19.10. And I'll turn on my Bible just so that kind of gives us a time for everybody to go to 19.10. 
I didn't give Livia the verse there. All right, so Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 20, 28. Sorry. Matthew 20, 28. Matthew 20, 28. I'm here. It says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 3, 16, 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the word, but that the word through him might be saved. And Matthew 9, 13 says, but, ye, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right? So God, Jesus Christ's mission when he came to earth was to seek and to save the lost. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others. He came to give everlasting life. Okay? Um, and he came so that sinners could go to repentance. Now, us as Christians, we complete that mission that Jesus Christ did on earth. So we are an extension of Jesus here on earth. So now that Jesus is not in human form here on earth, it is our responsibility to extend that mission, right? And so Matthew 10, 7, 8 says, And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We heal the sick, we cleanse the lepers, we raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely ye give. Matthew 22, 9 and 10. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those, sorry. So those servants went out into the highway and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, I like this verse because it says they found both bad and good. Sometimes we weigh or consider who would more likely accept our invitation. But it's not up to us, right? We shouldn't weigh and consider who is more likely to come, who is good enough to be here, or who is bad enough that they may need it. That's not what God called us to do. We go and we preach, and God has a purpose, right? He will, he will bring. Our job is to teach others, to tell others. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all these things, whosoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So when he commands us to do something, he also tells us that he is with us always. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be timid. We can be bold in what we're saying because God is with us. And one of the greatest thing, I think, is when I know that if somebody rejects the word of God, they're not rejecting me. They are rejecting the word of God, right? So it helps us to be able to teach about it because they're not rejecting what I'm saying. Their heart is just not in the right place at the right time maybe, right? God is working on them, is going to take a couple more steps for them. But my job is to tell them, to teach them, okay? Luke 9, 59 through 62, it says, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And then another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto them, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This is, this is tough stuff, right? That's, that's tough to swallow. Okay, there are two people here that he tells them, follow me. And they both had an excuse. One says, you know, I have my dead relative. Can I go bury him? The other one says, I'll go, but let me just say goodbye to my family. Right? And he says, no man having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That means we can't have excuses. That's what that means to me. When God tells you or God gives you an opportunity, and I remember actually in our, 
in our home group, we had had, we, we, we were just going over uh, the book of Joshua right before we came here. And a lot of it was um, evangelizing and telling others about God. And, um, and a lot of times we talked about uh, missed opportunities. We were so busy. And it's easier now for me to stand here because this is like my job now, right? It's easier for me now to tell others about Christ because this is what we're doing. But just a couple months ago, I remember being convicted and being at the store, and somebody said to me, um, wow, you have such a wonderful laughter. And I did not think about saying, oh, that's the joy of the Lord, right? Now I will say that first, oh, that's the joy of the Lord. But at that moment, I was just like, thank you. And I walked away, and then when we were in home group, I said, oh, my gosh, that was a missed opportunity. Like, I could have at that moment shared Christ with somebody. So our evangelism should be on purpose. And we're going to get to this, but not only should it be on purpose, but sometimes we think that evangelizing is like a extracurricular activity that we're going to plan and do on a certain day with a couple of people. When we say that evangelism is a personal experience that we are commanded to do, this is every day in our every walk of life, every opportunity we should take it as an opportunity, right? It shouldn't just be like, okay, we're going to, and we'll probably get to that in the summertime, I hope, that we'll say like on a Saturday, we're going to go evangelize and pass out tracts. We used to do that in D.C. I don't see a lot of people out here, so I don't know how effective it would be here. We did? Okay, yeah, because, you know, now like I went to the mall today, and even the mall was empty. I was like, what in the world is this? Like there was just a couple of people. I'm used to like, a lot of people. But anyways, but, you know, it shouldn't just be like a one-day event where we go out, but it should be like in everything that we do. When people have communication with us, like somehow, some way, share the excitement that is within us. Share the word of God that is within us. Amen? Um, okay. We follow the example of Jesus Christ to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. So in other words, how do we fulfill the mission? How do we do this? Luke 7, 34 says, the son of man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, behold, a glutinous man and a wine bibber, I can't say the word, yes, wine bibber, a friend of the republicans and sinners. John uh, 15, 13 through 15, greater love has no man than this, than a man that lays down his life for his friend. Ye are my friends, and if ye do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Luke 15, 4 and 7. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doeth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulder rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. So this is serious business, right? There is a hundred people, and if one, if we can reach one, heaven rejoices, as opposed to us just being around those that are not saved. And the last verse for this, for this part says, Mark 5, 18 through 20. And when, and when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Right When Jesus, when we go out to the world, we are going to be among the Republicans, among the sinners. We are going to be among the lost. We are going to be among the devil-possessed people, right? We must not be afraid, and we must preach God and him crucified, right? And then when that happens... It says that then they will declare the great things that Jesus has done for them, and the men will marvel, right? So when we are 
examples of what God has done in our life. Not only are we an example, but others are influenced. And when they are changed, they influence someone else. So you walking in the likeness of Christ has such a great impact. We can't take it for granted. Like we can't think that this is just something that we're going to do on a certain day. We have to start thinking purposefully. God has commanded me. God has asked me to tell others. Um, And then we get to the point of that personal evangelism is friendship on purpose. We have to build friendships with people. Um, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born, born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24. A man that has friend must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh, and, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 9 and 7, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friends forsake not. And then the last one, Matthew 10, 16, behold, I sent you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, but ye therefore, but ye, but be therefore wise as serpent and harmless as doves. You know, earlier today, um, this verse Somebody said it to me. I was talking about something else. Um, I had a Bible study with somebody, and um, and I felt like, uh, I don't know. I wanted to be very friendly, and I wanted to be um, very kind. But there was also something in my spirit that was like, you know, I have to be strong about this. Like, this is a valid point, and you must know. Um, and then somebody said to me, you know, remember to be wise as, serp- as a serpent and harmless as doves. When we are encountering people, we also can't be so naive. Like, it's a spiritual warfare, and we have to be equipped. We have to be equipped for it, right? We have to be in the Word of God. We have to consistently be praying that God guides us because we're all human. We all for- fall short of the... We all fall short, right? None of us are perfect, but when you are... When God is before you, No one can be against you. Amen. Um, Why is friendship so important? And it gives some statistics, and these are pretty cool. Okay. 85% of people that receive salvation receive salvation by the time they are 18 years of age. So it is more likely for someone to be saved if they were saved before the age of 18. I thought, wow. Like, we have a great responsibility for all of our youth, right? And notice how we don't have a lot of youth. So we have a great responsibility to get our youth here, right? To get young people and teach them about salvation. Amen? 80 to 86% of people within our church are here because of a friend or a relative. And I know personally when I come here and we have a new person that comes in, all of you know each other. And it's so great to see how everybody rejoices to see somebody that they know, right? Because it is friendship. People that you know is what we are going to attract. It's going to be what we're going to attract. Only 2% come to church by an advertisement. So like by even, and, I, and I'm going to say this, Bradley does a great job with our website. Awesome. Anybody who sees our website tells me, man, you guys have a great website. But 2% of people are going to come by advertisement. Organized visitations. Let's say we decide to go to the um, nursing home or we want to do a food drive. It says that 6% of people come from that. 6%. Pastor contact. If our pastor makes contact with people, and, you know, that, that's what we were trying to do, make contact with people, another 6% come from pastor contact. But 86% come from an invitation from a friend or a relative. So once we become friends with people and we are, or there are relatives, and they can see a change in our life, those are the people we're going to attract. The people that we have contact with daily who can see a changed person. Now here's the problem. When we don't appear changed, then we're not attracting. Right? So we have to make sure 
that in everything we do and in everything we say, we keep God at the center of our life because people are watching. Um, reasons why people come to church. These are reasons why people come to church and um, why we should or how we should create these atmosphere. So fellowship with friends. People come to church because they want to have fellowship with people. So when we have a new person who comes to church, we need to try and connect with that person. And it can't just be um, like, let's say we have a follow-up team. It just can't be the team. It has to be all of us together. And to find like natural connections, not anything that's forced, right? Because for example, I can have something to connect with Sister Tracy, but maybe I won't connect so much with Sister Megan, but maybe Sister May and Sister Megan have something to connect with, right? There's something that connects people, and we have to find those connections that connect us to people so that they are willing or likely to come back, right, because they want to fellowship with friends. Another, another reason why people go to church is because they want to bring their children to church, right? Everybody wants to teach their kids about God, and so we have to make sure that we have an environment where children are welcome. Um, a lot of times, and most of the time, People come when they have personal issues, when there is something devastated that has happened in their life that will draw people to church because God is our comforter, right? A lot of times we relate the church to a hospital. Sick people go to a hospital. People who are well usually do not go to the hospital. So a lot of people are going to come to church that are in need of something. And we can't be so judgy. Like, don't be judgy. Let God do the work in people's life. Amen. Um, to study the word of God. That was one of the things that I, we've heard a lot as Daniel preaches. They're like, you preach, you preach from the word of God. And when we've heard that, I'm like, what are people preaching from then? <laughs> like, how, why, why am I, we're hearing this a lot. Like, this is awesome. You're preaching from the word of God. And I'm like, wow, what do we usually preach from? And lastly is worship. And aren't we so blessed with Sister Megan coming? And we have such a great worship. But worship, it can't just be Sister Megan up here playing the piano and singing lovely. It has to be all of us. We all have to worship. We all have to sincerely love worshiping God. Okay? Because that's what's going to draw people, that worship. Um, how are we building bridges? It says building bridges to souls. How do we bridge how do we make that connection? And where are these everyday opportunities that we should kind of be conscious of it? Um, we have our work contacts. We have our coworkers, maybe the person we go to lunch with, our boss, our clients, our employees. Um, those are all work contacts. And I know that at my job, I remember my, my first real job. I was, a, I was a probation officer for juveniles. And we all had offices that kind of stood on a line. And I wasn't one, honestly, to say that I would go and, you know, preach to everybody or tell them about God. But I had a daily walk with God, you know, especially the way I dressed. People always knew there was something different about me. And, you know, then I would tell them. Um, and I remember all of my coworkers, every time they had a need of something, they would always come into my office, close the door, and say, can you please pray with me over this? My mom is sick. Can you pray with me? You know, so those are contacts that we can make at work that whenever there's a need, they're going to know to come to you. But you have to some way have shared that with them. And if your coworkers don't know that you are a Christian, you know, you have to be purposeful. You have, you have to make sure you're letting people know. Um, we have business contacts. Those are like our doctors, our mechanic, uh, the lawyer, the dentist, our barber. I know when we first got here and Daniel went to get his first haircut, which I didn't personally like that first haircut. <laughs> but uh, he went to his, he, he, we went down to, um, what are they called? Lanasa's, Lasana, I don't remember. Yeah, right here, the barber across the street. And I said, why are you going there, Daniel? He says, I'm going to go there because I'm going to share with them our church. And I know, and I know the lady came to, the, came to that church, came to our service that next Sunday. 
And then when Daniel went the next time to get his hair cut, there was another gentleman there, and she was like, hey, you know, he's the pastor of the church across the street. If you're looking for a church, he's, that's an awesome church. Like we have her testifying. Now we just need to get her to come, right? But, but people that you come in contact with, they should know what you believe. They sh- not only sh- should they know, they should be able to feel and see Christ through you, right? Like they should be able to see that there is something different about you. Um, our family contacts, our neighbors, our relatives, our high school friends, our counselors, um, anybody, you know, they, you should always, always make sure that they know what you believe. Because when the time comes and they need something, they need God, they're going to know where to go. Um, I know that, um, and I put an example here, my neighbor back home, um, we've been neighbors for maybe, we've known each other, we knew each other for about five years. And we met at the pool, our kids were little, we both have same age kids. You know, she has one Olivia's age and one Lizzie's age. And we were at the pool, and we were both, um, you know, we had one that was already in the big pool and one that was in the baby pool. And so that's how we met, because, you know, we were sitting at the fence, standing at the fence, looking on both sides, like, you know, keeping an eye on the little one and keeping an eye on the big one. And so she comes up to me, and she says, do you want to, like, share duties? Like, you take care of the little ones, and I take care of the big ones? And I thought, you know, I didn't even know her, and I'm like, Sure, I can take care of the little ones because I could trust Livy's ability to swim. And, and that's how we became friends, right? That was our connection. It was our kids. They were the same age in the swimming pool. But throughout that, you know, we became really good friends. And even though before we came up here, I didn't get her to church, I, I always felt like, man, I, she, but, but now that she sees that I'm here and we were just talking the other day, she's like, I can't believe how much God is going to do through you, right? And so our, but, but our, yes, seeds were planted, right? Five years. And in those five years, I was consistent and conscious to always share Christ with her, right? But somebody else is going to sow that seed. Amen. I believe it. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, We should look for a bridge building opportunity and everyday activity any social event that we attend. Um, Now, one of the things that this says is, like, have everyday conversations with people. And I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. But even some of these questions, I'm like, wow. These are, like, really direct. Like, what do you, one of the questions says, do you ever think about spiritual things? And what do you think is your purpose and destiny in life? I thought, man, I have to be, like, more, I have to be friends with somebody to ask them that direct question, Right? Um, where do you think you are in your spiritual journey? These are direct questions, but they're on purpose. Now, I really feel that if we're at this point, we're not just getting to meet someone. We're not asking these questions to somebody we meet at Walmart or somebody that we maybe had coffee with two or three times. Like, these are questions that we're having with people that we have common ground with and that we feel comfortable with, right? All of our friends or all of our contacts shouldn't just be people from our church. We should have friends that we are teaching about Christ. When I came here, somebody said to me, Evelyn, make sure that you always have somebody that you are are evangelizing to, you're telling about God, someone that you are discipling, and someone that you can look up to. There should be, they said, you you should have three women in your life at all times. Somebody that you're telling about Christ, somebody that you're discipling, they already know about Christ and you're discipling, and then somebody who's a mentor to you who you can call on. And I, and I took that, and I think I have more than just one in each category, but I, you know, like I'm saying, I need to have these three categories in my life. Um, evangelism has to be genuine, and it, ha- it has to be real. You can't fake it. You can't just be kind from, like, your lips out. It has to come from within. You have to Love Christ first, and then God allows us and gives us that love to others, right? And it has to be kind. We have to be kind in our communication. When we talk to people, we have to compliment them, compliment them about their um, openness and honesty, about how they feel about spiritual matters. Um, Confess that we are not perfect. Everybody knows we're not perfect. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. 
right? We're not perfect. Confess that we have issues ourselves, but it's through Christ that we can do all things. Um, communicate at least one area of the gospel that significantly impacted your life. Um, that can be love, forgiveness, assurance of heaven, peace. Like, what is something that has impacted you the most? And another thing, when we communicate with people, and I wrote this as a note, if you're leaving a conversation that you had with someone and they don't feel empowered and they don't feel peace, we need to check ourselves. Or when, you know, like, if you're talking to somebody and you notice at the end of the conversation they left feeling defeated, feeling like a failure, like, we're not sharing God. We're not sharing Christ. That's not what God has called us to do. Wow, that just got loud in my ear. So when we're speaking to people, make sure you let people feel empowered and feel peace, right? We're talking about Christ. Um, clarify. If there are misunderstandings about something you said, don't be afraid. Clarify what you're saying. And always concentrate on winning a person and not an argument. That is so important. You're, you're not winning an argument. You're trying to win somebody for Christ. And if they ended up not accepting the message, it doesn't mean you, don't have, you can't be friends anymore. It's not like, like I said, they didn't reject you. They rejected the gospel at that time. But a seed was still sowed. Amen? Um, sensitivity must be exercised regarding the spiritual aspects of each evangelism endeavor. Matthew 9, 36 through 38 says, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that, ye will, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen? The labor, the, the, the heart, the... Oh, I can't say it. The harvest is full, but we need more laborers, right? And we must, and the only way we're going to get more laborers is if we share what's within us and not be afraid of it. Have boldness when you speak of God. And it's so much easier said than done, right? It is so much easier said than done to have boldness, right? But we pray to, we pray that God gives us that boldness, that he shows us, and and that we are moved with compassion. And whatever we lack in, we ask God for it. I know sometimes I've been told by somebody <clears throat> that I sometimes lack compassion. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. Because God had compassion, so I have compassion too. <laughs> um, but if you know you lack in something, ask God for it. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for understanding. Ask God for compassion. Whatever it is that we're lacking, God you know, like we go as far as we can go, and God goes the rest. Amen? Isn't that so awesome about our God? We only got to go as far as we're able. He does not require more than what we're able to give. He does the rest. Amen? Amen. And um, I think I'm going to end there, if that's okay. And then I think Daniel's going to uh, go on the next time about how personable evangelism will always lead to discipleship. So not only are we evangelizing, but it doesn't just stop there. We don't just tell people about God. Eventually, we're leading people to God. We're not just telling them about it. They accept it, and then we're leading them. We're discipling them. Amen? Amen. Can we all stand? One conversation that I had with my pastor before I came up here when determining it, whether it was the will of God to come up here, one question that I asked my pastor was, if I come up there, and, and originally uh, there was a church down near Columbus that we were looking at before we found out about this one. It was a whole ordeal and a God thing how it came about with here. But I asked pastor, you know, I'm giving up a lot. You know, I'm, and, and I'm not trying to boast or anything like that, but if, if I'm going to give this up, and are we going to see revival? You know, are we going to see many, many souls come to, to God? And his response was this. If you win one person, you could have given up everything and it would have been worth it. One soul. 
if you would have just won one soul, it would have been worth it all. Uh, and then I started thinking about Jude 9, or Jude, uh, in verse 23 of Jude, and I'm going to read. And it says, and really maintaining your life with God. Evelyn talked about it, maintaining your life with God. It says, but you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto, unto eternal life. On some have compassion, making distinction, distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. It, it, it's saying maintain your walk with God, and you're going to be a witness to those you come in contact with, whether it be at the grocery store, whether it be at your school, at your job, at your, you know, on, wherever you go. Amen. Any, anywhere you go, anywhere you bank, shopping mall, amen, anywhere you go. Uh, and, 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 and that's, amen, that's, that's our mission. We are called to be witnesses unto him. Amen. Can we lift our hands this evening today? Can we ask God to give us the spirit of boldness that, that, that his spirit would come over us? You know, there was this, a, a lady, I don't know if I shared it here yet or not, but a lady by the name of Shekinah. I was actually a few years ago, I was on the job, and being a supervisor on the street, this lady I was contacted by the dispatcher, and the dispatcher says, hey, you know, this lady wants to speak to somebody. doesn't sound like we need to go out there. So I said, of course, I'll, I'll give her a phone call. And I started talking to this lady, and it's not really necessarily a call that the police need to go out for and respond and handle. It was more of just a phone call. She was, you know, struggling. And it was a domestic-related issue that she was having where, you know, her husband was gone at the time. And she was having some marital problems in which the guy, you know, the husband did some things and, and kind of left her you know, really helpless. And so at that point, I just, you know, something came over me where I said, you know what, I got to go out to this lady and speak with her. And I get there, and as soon as I walked into her house, uh, I, I look at her, where she lived, and I see, you know, a picture that we would see of Jesus Christ on the wall, and I've seen a rosary, I've seen a Bible on the, on the table. So I could tell she had some religious background. Uh, and so at that time, I began talking to her about her issues, and you know, through it all, I needed to call her insurance company and, and kind of make sure she has insurance on her vehicles, make sure it wasn't canceled and things like that. So I call, and I ask for her identification because I know once I call the, the, the place, they're going to ask for her information, and I was going to let them know. I was a police officer. I'm trying to do this right. And so I take her ID, and I look at it, and her name was Shekana. And so I said, Shekana, do you know what your name means? And so at that point, I was preparing to actually speak that night. And I was preparing on the Shekinah glory of God. I said, Shekinah, do you know what your name means? And she knows hysterically crying. She says, no, I don't know what it means. I said, it's the physical manifestation of the presence of God. I believe God has something for you. And she, began, and, and, and she looks at me. Tears start flowing down her face. She falls at my feet and starts grabbing on my feet. Thank you, thank you. I was praying that God would send me an angel. I said, no, she kind of stand up. I'm not an angel, you know. So I, I lifted her up. And I said, no, 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 I'm not an angel. Uh, and, and I said, but you know what? I believe God has something for you. Why don't you come to church with me tonight? And, you know, and, and uh, I spoke with Evelyn. We went to go pick her up. And through the process of, of, of several times of her visiting the church, her husband, they ended up getting back together. Her husband came to church and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That, that's what happens when you are moved by the Spirit. Ask God to begin to work on our hearts that we would be moved with compassion to those who are hurting, those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about the pulling people out of the fire, pulling people out of the very pits of hell to save them. Amen. So I wonder if tonight we can raise our hands and ask God that we would be moved with compassion to witness to others, that we would be moved by the Spirit of God to be led to those in this city who have a need of God, who have a need and a desire for something, but they may not even know what it is, but we have the answer, and that is Jesus Christ. God, we thank you today for this message that we have received. I thank you for your word today, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your spirit that is working in this room, oh God. God, right now I pray, Lord Jesus, that a spirit of boldness would come over us, oh God, a spirit of boldness that would be uh, uh, willing to, to go to those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, a boldness that would not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
We would not be ashamed and we would not be afraid or timid to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would spread the gospel to our family members. We would spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our co-workers, to our family. And Lord Jesus, out of that, oh God, out of those seeds that are going to be sown, oh God, I pray, oh God, that a, a revival would take place, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would begin to draw people to you, oh God, that we would be moved with compassion to those who are hurting, moved with compassion to those who need something, oh God, for those who are hurting on the inside, those who are hurting and in pain, Lord Jesus, from things they experience in this life, uh, relationship issues, marital issues, uh, uh, deliverance that are needed and healings that are needed, oh God. And, and Lord Jesus, you see the hearts right now. Even now as we are praying, you see the hearts that you have been working on in the city, that you have a plan and a purpose for them to even come to this building, God. And maybe not even this building, but God, you would begin to work in their hearts, begin to work in their lives, Lord Jesus, where they would come to the knowledge of truth, where they would come to the understanding that you are a living God, that you are alive and well, and that you can handle their situation, that there is nothing impossible for you, Lord Jesus. I pray right now, oh God, that you would use this core group that is here tonight, that you would use us, Lord Jesus, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through your death, burial, and resurrection, God. The good news that we have, that we don't have to live in our sin anymore, but we could be free in you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for freedom today. I thank you that we have salvation today. I thank you, Jesus, that we have your spirit in us today. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God bless you. Be dismissed. Thank you all for being here. Oh, and the card is, I think, up on this windowsill. I'll put it right here on the front. If, if you need to sign it, please do so.